0: الحمد لله تعالى نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضل فرنا تجد له وليا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقوا الله وقولوا قولاً سديداً يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطيع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فازاً عظيماً أما بعد فإن أستقل الحديث كتاب الله تعالى وخير هدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشَر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدع وكل بدع ضلاله وكل الضلالة في النار ب الله سبحانه وتعالى we send peace and blessings upon our beloved Messenger Muhammad وسلم, upon his family, his companions, uh, and those who follow them until the end of time. I'm sure all of us are very aware of the statement of the Prophet وسلم, سطوها, that the best affairs are those affairs that lie in the middle, that are balanced. And of course the Prophet والسلام, and his community are described in Sawat al Baqarah, verse, verse 143 of a chapter which is 286 verses. So, this is the verse which is in the middle. Allah says, That we have made you this moderate ummah, this balanced ummah, so that you could fulfill your responsibility and be a witness towards people. And the Prophet ﷺ will be a witness against you. And subhanAllah, sometimes we struggle to maintain that balance. It's one of the hardest things to do. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rahman says, Allah orders us to establish justice, to be internally just and balanced and to be externally just and balanced and that's why Allah, one of the goals of someone who truly uh, is trying to reach allah should be to be balanced in their affairs and their religious affairs and that's why the prophet sallallahu when those people were told uh, by his wife that how the prophet worshipped we know that some of them said like i will never stop fasting Another one said, I will never sleep, like I will pray every night, I will pray to Hajjid, the night vigil. And then of course the third one said, I will never marry. And when the Prophet ﷺ was apprised of this, from Sayyidah Aisha anha, he ran to those people ﷺ. And he corrected them, and he said, you know, like I, I fast and I break my fast. anam. I pray and I sleep. And i marry from an رَغِبَ عَنْ فَلَيْسَ مِنِّي You know, whoever turns away from my sunnah is not from me. So the Prophet ﷺ here in the acts of worship is focusing on balance. But also internally and in our lives. And that's why the famous dua of the Prophet ﷺ at the time of تَهَجْدُ اللَّهُمَّ أَنْتَ رَبَّ جِبْرِيلُ wa israfil Oh Allah, he would say <coughs> after waking up the Lord of Gabriel, the Lord of Michael and the Lord of Israfil. And the reason that he mentioned these three angels is because Sayyidina Jibreel is the angel whose job is to bring revelation. So this is a spirituality. Sayyidina Mikael, his job of course is Rizq and Nabat and Matar so when he's talking and saying the Lord of Mikael it means my worldly affairs. And Israfil of course is the one who's going to blow the trumpet. So we see in this dua the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam achieving the balance between his spiritual, his physical and the hereafter sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And that's why in istikhara that's why when he would make istikhara and he would ask for Allah's decision in an affair he would balance the impact of that decision upon his worldly ambitions upon his deen and upon his hereafter sallallahu so quickly I just gave you two examples of how the Prophet Sallallahu focuses on balance between our acts of worship, between our spirituality, and then of course within our daily life inna li haqq wa, wa inna li wa inna li haqq as he said sallallahu alaihi wasallam your soul has a right on you, your family has a right on you, your lord has a right on you Faati kulla so give everything its right and this is one of the greatest causes of division amongst the muslims is that oftentimes we aren't able to appreciate that people are not like us and that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed certain people with passions in certain things and blessed others with passions in other things and that's why ash-shatibi al Madiki. He said, when people would come to the Prophet and ask him, Ayu a'mal what's the best action? The Prophet always has a different answer. Because people, their passions are different. And oftentimes we, in an act of selfishness or perhaps a myopic view of religion, fail to appreciate that people are going to be coming to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from different places. That's why Imam Sheikh Ahmed Zaruq he says in التصوف, المقصد, which means different ways to God through different acts of worship, spirituality, activism, seeking knowledge, within the realm of orthodoxy, these different ways towards Allah do not necessitate a difference in the goal. Wa anna ila rabbika al-muntaha. And that's why Sayyidina Imam Malik, Anhu, when a Sufi he sent him a letter and he said to Imam Malik, you know, you're not Sufi enough. Like you wear nice clothing, you teach masha'Allah, but you should spend more time in Zuhid and you should be more, you know, aloof of the world. When Imam Malik, he wrote back to him, he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala qassam al-a'mal, Allah has spread actions amongst people like he spread rain. Some places there will be a lot of rain, some places there will be a light rain, and there will be a different type of rain. Look at the beauty of his response, mashaAllah. That everyone is doing something, inshallah, which Allah has given them as their risk. And that's why he said to the person, I have no doubt that what you're doing is good, and I have no doubt in what I'm doing is good. kulluna ala khair. Each and every one of us are on good. So sometimes if we see people doing something that we're not doing, maybe we feel angry, like, why isn't this person an activist? Why doesn't this person memorize the Quran? Of course, the farda'in, that's not on, we're not talking about fardaina We're talking about Sunan kifaiya wa fard kifaiya and other things. But when I see people not doing what I'm doing, I don't get upset. I don't become angry. And that's why in the hadith of Sayyidina Nabi alayhi salatu salam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, There is a servant of mine who seeks an opening to me through worship, but I refuse to open that door for him and her because that act of worship is not good for them. So perhaps, what I want for someone, and thinking that it's good within the divine knowledge, is not good for them. Ahum hum قَسِمُونَ rabbik Are we the ones, our job is to dispense the mercy. So I just want to focus on three things quickly, and then the second khutbah, inshallah, we're going to give you the beef. But this is just the appetizer, the samosas. So subhanAllah, we see now our community divided over religious knowledge, spirituality, and activism. And oftentimes we, we tend to create these ecosystems within the community where people are activists, people are students of ilm, and then of course you know, people are seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through worship and so on and so forth. But subhanAllah we see in the Qur'an the greatest title, as the Prophet mentioned in the sound hadith, that anybody can be given is Abdullah or Abdul Rahman, Amatullah, Amatul Rahman for a girl, and we know that the word Abdullah, this is idafa to tashrif, right? This is a possessive which uh, em- emphasizes the honor of someone. That's why the Prophet said Ta'isa Abdul Dunya wa Abdul Dinar wa Abdul Abdul right? The one who is the slave of clothes and wealth is cursed, because here the ildafa is not tashreef, it's to lower somebody. But this usage, Abdullah, is only used in a positive way. And if we were to quickly just survey the Qur'an, we'll find that it's only used in three contexts, and you want to remember this. Number one is in the context of knowledge. إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ min Allah says that the only ones who truly revere God from God's servants are the scholars. The second, in spirituality, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about Sayyidina Ibrahim, and he says that he's from his ibad, he's from the servants of Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ithja bi qalbin salim. So Sayyidina Ibrahim, he came to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with a tranquil, tranquil, satisfied, submissive soul. So spirituality. And the third is activism. In numerous places in the Qur'an, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the battles of the prophets, and talks about the struggles of the righteous, he uses the word abd, but one in particular, in the end of Surah Al-Furqan, 'ala qalu salama that the servants of the most merciful walk with humility in the earth and when the ignorant apprise them or attack them they say salama so here subhanallah we took the context of abd and applied it to three situations which unfortunately our community tends to divide over instead of learning to appreciate one another and respect one another and understand li kulli wijhatun huwa that each and every one of us has our own way. And that's why the qira'ah of surah al-Fatiha, Zirat al-Mustaqim, as Al-Shatibi said, Wa According to Khalid and Khalaf, One of the seven, From our Imam, al zirat is the original meaning of Sirat, And al zirat means to be swallowed. That's why one of the seven qiraat, I will make it hard for you, din al-Ziraat al-Mustaqim, Ishmaam al wal if you hear somebody read that way, don't get upset. And the word al-zirat means to swallow. The Arabs used to say, La Takun You know, don't be too nice to people, you'll be swallowed. The reason it was called Sirat is because Sirat and Zirat, the path is so wide that when people walked on it, it looked like they were swallowed. So even though the path is one way in al Huda Allah, but the different types of people on the path, the path will be so wide that will swallow each and every one of us insha'Allah with our talents and our abilities. So the point of the first khutbah is that we should respect each other's different approaches that fall within the realm of orthodoxy and not expect people to be just like me. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala an yajma'ana ma'a sayyidina rasulillah. كما آمن نبيه ولم نره صلى الله عليه وسلم أقول قولي هذا استغفروا الله لي ولكم فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وصلات وسلام على سيدنا وحبيبنا رسول الله الذي أرسله الله تعالى رحمة للعالمين وسيد الأولين والآخرين صلوات الله وسلامه عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين what I talked about in the first part of the khutbah actually applies to certain acts which are obligatory and those acts which are going to fall under highly recommended sunnah or those acts which are considered good in general. There's no discussion to be had about the permissible because within the realm of the permissible how you dress, how I dress, how I talk, how you talk, the kind of food I eat, achar, no achar, matlouba, whatever. But now we see even our Ummah, not only do we divide over the obligatory in the Sunnah, but we find ourselves not even being tolerant in the permissible. But we see Sayyidina Umar al-Khattab, when he went to Damascus, as mentioned by al-Qarafi al-Maliki, and he found Sayyidina, uh, some of the Sahaba, they were dressed really nicely. And for Sayyidina Umar, that was something strange, because Sayyidina Umar, he was, he was Zahid. He was a person who was aloof from the opulence of dunya, mashallah. So Allah enriched him to be free of the need of dunya. Where most people, they think riches is to have the dunya, Islam says that riches is the ability to be autonomous from being attached in an unhealthy way to dunya and when he met those sahaba they were worried because he said man like Omar, he saw us we're like we're looking fly and he said to them you know antum a'lam like you know antum a'lamu bi you know your people better than me so while this permissible act that you're doing is to, dis- disagreeable to me personally I'm not going to censor you because this is something permissible. Look at the fiqh of Sayyidina Umar in the ibahat, in the permissible. The reason I say that is that oftentimes we have the passion of activism, whether it's religious activism or political activism, but we don't tether it with adab and akhlaq. And we know as Imam Al-Ghazali mentioned, rahimahullah and Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, that every act has two or three components. The first is the inner adab. The second is the performance of the act. And then the third, which is the wrapping on the gift, is the akhlaq, which should surround this act. So whether it's political activism or religious activism, have we asked ourselves about our character and our akhlaq, and how we engage people? And have we tethered it in knowledge We live in a time now where ignorance is knowledge. Just look at our president. And knowledge is ignorance. That's why Abu Ala al-Mu'arri, the great Arab philosopher and poet, he said, He said, you know, when I saw ignorance had permeated society, I learned until people said I was stupid (coughs) meaning as an alim people thought I was dumb and this is the first quality of any type of activist is to have knowledge foundational knowledge literacy and that's why if we look at the life of Sayyidina uh, Musa we see for him to be a prophet he has to have ma'rifah of Allah and for a Muslim I have to make sure that I'm tethering my work for God if my work in the political sphere is for other than God then my ability to say that this is a religious form of activism became suspect and if my religious activism is untethered from the character of the Prophet and seeking only the pleasure of Allah then my religious activism is a charade. We ask Allah, The second quality is to be a person of khitmah. And if you look at most of the prophets in the Qur'an, they usually were anointed as prophets after a heroic act, after an incredible act of service. So we see Sayyidina Musa, he helps Abuna sheikhun Kabir, he helps those two women, He gets married, masha'Allah. And then when he assumes that there's fire to help his family, he goes to get this fire. As Ghalib, the great Urdu poet, said, if you're worried about God's plan for you, then think about Musa. He went for fire and came back a prophet. SubhanAllah. But service, am I a service-oriented person? Do I always have to be the leader? Do I always have to be on the front lines? Do I volunteer? People they always come and complain, and I ask them, "Have you maximized your ability to volunteer to solve this problem?" And the answer is always, "I've never volunteered once." Then what are you complaining about? Do you have a project proposal for saving the Ummah that you're so angry with? Well, last night you know I was playing Fortnite and uh, I shot this pink bunny and I had a you know a John Wick's skin on, and I decided, "Hey, I can save the Ummah." Like really? Like, that's how it is. Go and serve first. When I became Muslim, my teacher, I said to him, I want to memorize the Quran. He said, iron my clothes. I was like, what? He's like, you have to serve. You need to learn how to serve. The third is the love of ibadah. The love of worship. Finding a taladzhu fi ibadah. And loving to be alone with Allah more than we love the likes on Instagram. Loving to be alone with Allah more than the filters that we got on the app store. Loving to be alone more with Allah and finding the beauty in that experience more than anything I could buy at Sephora. Looking at my heart more than I look at my biceps in the gym. And that's why Sayyidina Musa, we learned something from him in the same surah, as we finish, when Allah says, Musa, what is it in your right hand? He begins to talk about his staff. This is called itnab, And he begins to embellish. He talks about the staff, like people talk about Bugattis, man. Nobody in the world has ever talked about a stick like that. What is that? It's a stick. Okay, cool stick. It's my stick. I walk on it. I use it to look after my flock. And the way it's said in Arabic is like, I have a lot of other things I can do for it, with it. So ask me about it. I asked one of my teachers in Azhar, why did Sayyidina Musa describe his staff this way? He said because he wanted to extend the conversation with Allah. So when the opportunity came to speak to God, the stick became a priceless jewel. How do we make du'a now for activists? Allahumma surni, amin. Allahumma Takhir ahwal al-ummah, amin. Or do we enjoy that moment? The last, because we don't have time, is the ability to recognize shortcomings and have interlocutors and mentors. Most people they don't like to have people around them that tell them you can improve on something. But that's the sign of a good, sincere activist religiously and politically. So we see that Sayyidina Musa, he's introspective, he recognizes his challenge, and that's the next quality, is group work, being able to work with people. So he asks for Sayyidina Harun. And the last two points is being able to speak truth to power. If someone is a coward, this, they should not be in religious and political work. But it demands bravery. So Musa immediately has to carry the responsibility of prophethood to speak to Fir'aun, to speak truth to power. And the last is to have an ask. And his ask is to free Bani Israel, free them. Oftentimes we go to interfaith groups, we sit with politicians, we meet with different community leaders, and we feel that the meeting is enough. No. You have to have an ask. Because if there's no ask, then what's the purpose? So ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ask Allah to expand our hearts. With that in mind, I'm here this evening with our brothers and sisters. Uh, here at uh, Ikna Relief, Alhamdulillah, and Helping Hand. And tonight we have a program, inshallah, and as you leave, you're going to see your brother uh, on the side. Again, khidmat and service, MashaAllah. These opportunities to serve are indeed incredible. So if you have an opportunity, just stop by, holler at him and see what's up, inshallah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our brothers and sisters in Congo. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our brothers and sisters in Mali. In the Gambia, in Senegal, in Liberia, uh, in the west coast of Africa, the east coast of Africa, in Egypt and Libya. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Bosnia, our brothers and sisters in Chechnya and Dagestan, our brothers and sisters in Crimea. Ask Allah to bless our brothers and sisters in East Turkmenistan, of course, which is the Uyghur community in China. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give them, insha'Allah, justice and freedom. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Pakistan and India and Iran and Bangladesh and Yemen. We ask Allah to bless the brothers and sisters in Palestine and yuharrirahum, insha'Allah, to give them freedom and independence, insha'Allah, and a honorable life. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Syria and Somalia and all over the Muslim world. And most importantly, we pray for this country that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ji'ana and that Allah makes... Our existence in this place means a benefit for others.